Welcome to a message from Oasis Church. For more information about Oasis Church and how you can get connected, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Here's Pastor Mark Pearl. Enjoy the message. Let's go in our Bibles to Luke chapter 16. Luke, the 16th chapter. And uh, I want to talk about this subject this morning, uh, just for a little while here. And uh, <laughs> stay with me on it, because the title isn't like you're going to get up and jump and shout. Well, I want to talk about this. When you face trouble, thank you for your encouragement, and your excitement over the title, praise God. <laughs> it's like a, a pastor from Texas told me one time he had one of my, uh, in those days it was cassettes, he had a cassette series of mine. He said, man, I love that title. It was, it was called... Going through the storm without the storm going through you. I said, well, I hope the message is as good as the title. But the message, you know, today is, well, here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about when you go through trouble. How many know we all face trouble? Nobody's exempt from it. They don't care how much you believe God, you still face trouble. That's what your faith is for, is to overcome. Amen? You know what John said? This is a victory to overcome with the world. Even our faith, right? So that means we're going to have, you know, some trouble. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation, but be a good cheer. I've overcome it. Amen? Now, here's the thing. I, I don't believe that we should magnify our trouble. I don't think we should sing about our trouble. And I don't think our life should be a life of trouble. <laughs> but we do face things. Amen? And so what I want to talk about is what to do uh, when you face trouble. Because after all these years of, of being in the ministry, all these many, many years now, uh, I've noticed that, that, that sometimes the, the, the temptation is really great to go the wrong way when you face trouble, to, to, to make decisions that aren't good decisions. And I've seen it over and over again. I'm not being critical. I'm just, I've, I've probably made the same things, mistakes myself. But I, I want us to talk about it and address it today. What, what do we do when we face trouble? What, 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 when we talk about trouble, what are we talking about? Well, trouble comes in very a lot of forms. I mean, you can have uh, financial trouble, right? You can have uh, physical trouble. You can have family trouble, marriage trouble. You can, you can be attacked with uh, oppression or depression. Amen. All these things are trouble. So what do we do when we face, when we face trouble? Well, there's a thing. There's something, there's something that I want to talk about that, you know, because uh, that I think is key. Because a lot of times when people face trouble, they'll come and see pastor. And they want that. And, and many times what, what people want, and I understand this, and I want the same thing too, is they want, they want instant deliverance. And I sure wish we could give that to you every time. But I don't have any magic wand in my office that just causes all you. I wave it over your head and all your problems go away. Brother, if I could wave that over your head, I'd wave it over my head too. But there is something we can do. I said there is something we can do. And there is somebody that can help us. And we got to learn to make the right moves. Let's go here to Luke chapter 16. Go with me. And I just want to read one verse here. And I got some other verses that we're, we're going to read most likely today. But let's start here. Luke 16, 16. The Bible says, The law 
and the prophets were until John. So until John the Baptist, we had the law and we had the prophets. And since that time, since John's time, the kingdom of God is preached. Now I've heard modern day preachers say that Jesus didn't preach the, the new covenant. But this just said he preached the kingdom. So I think somebody's wrong, and I don't think it's Jesus. Why did it get so quiet? Have you been listening to those preachers that tell you that don't listen to the words of Jesus? There are preachers today that are preaching, famous preachers. I'm not against anybody, but I am against some things that are saying don't listen, don't, you don't have to listen to the words of Jesus any longer. Let me tell you, he preached the kingdom of God. He's the, he's the head of the church. Amen. He preached the, he preached the, he preached the kingdom Ever since John, the kingdom's preached, and every man presses into it. He presses into it. The word press means with force. It actually means violently into it. In other words, sometimes there's going to be opposition to you uh, receiving and entering into the kingdom in some area of your life. In other words, uh, the, there's going to be, there's going to be a, an adversary that's going to try to stop you. And, uh, you know, I thought about this when I was thinking about this scripture. I thought about the woman with the issue of blood. Think about her. That woman, she violently, with force, pressed in and received from the kingdom of God, didn't she? The Bible says she had that issue of blood for 12 years she's not supposed to be in public to start with and she gets listen it would have been easy for her to just stay in bed she's been bleeding for 12 years she suffered many things of many physicians she's nothing better but she's growing worse this woman is in bad shape. It would have been easy for her to say, I'm just going to stay here in bed. And, and Lord, if it's your will, have that preacher from Galilee to come by my house. But she didn't do that, did she? She got out of bed. She went out there at the risk of her life. She pressed through the crowd and touched the hem of his garment and was made whole. That's what Luke is talking about, pressing into the kingdom. Then I thought about another story in the Gospel of Luke where a man had the palsy and he was born of his four friends. They, they were taking him to the meeting where Jesus was at and couldn't get in because of the crowd. So they went up on top of the roof and tore the roof up. Could you imagine that? You're preaching. A, could you, just think about that today. If this church was so full and nobody could get in here and all of a sudden the roof stuff starts falling down from the roof, you know. And all of a sudden, I'm getting stuff on my black suit, you know. And then somebody comes through the roof. I mean, your first thing is, have you never been to membership class? This isn't how you enter the church. But they, how many would call that violent? How many call that pressing in? Now, here's the interesting thing when you read that passage, which we won't do today. But when you read that passage, the Bible says that Jesus was teaching there and there were many doctors of the law and Pharisees there at the meeting, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Now, how I many of the Bible says the power of the Lord was present to heal them? Pardon my English, but them must needed to be healed. 
or it wouldn't say that, would it? But yet, only one man receives healing that day. And that's the man that pressed in. That's the man that his friends, you know, some preacher preached one time, everybody ought to have four crazy friends. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, praise God. You might be one of them. I don't know. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, <laughs> uh, uh, they say if you don't know who the troublemaker is in the group, it must be you. But how many understand? Jesus said he saw their faith, didn't he? What did he, he saw them press in. He saw these, these, these people, they could have easily went to that door and said, well, we can't get in. No, they violently pressed in. Amen. They violently pressed in. I, I, I will never forget when I was uh, at the Revival Center and I was their associate pastor. Brother Eddie was, this, was the, what we would call, we didn't use those terms in those days. We didn't know him before church growth came along. We just knew he was a pastor, not associate pastor, but today they call him senior pastor or some places call him lead pastor. He was just pastor. But anyway... That you know, but people understand those terms today. He was a senior pastor. I was I was on 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 staff. The whole staff of three. Um, one of them I don't think got paid. <laughs> uh, well, maybe she did. I don't know. I don't remember now. Uh, but anyway, I, I I I remember that he told me a story one time. He said he said we I, we had a. I, I know that the lady was talking about. He was talking about a, a situation that he had to deal with her. He said she she started having issues and problems uh, uh, with oppression and depression and, and just mental issues and problems. And uh, he said, I prayed for her and I prayed for her. We did everything we knew to do, nothing better. Just like the one with the issue of blood. He said, finally, I said to her, he, said, he was telling me the story. He said, because uh, she was a member of our church. And, and really, at this time, he was telling me the story. She was a good, solid member, it really a, a real asset to the, the church. Uh, but this time, she was a wreck. And he said, I finally said to her, he said, I've done everything I can do for you. He said, I don't know what else to do for you. He said, the only thing I can tell you is you go home, and you get alone, and you get a hold of God. Because he's the only one who can help you. She went home after he said that, locked herself in the bathroom, and pressed into the kingdom of God and got totally delivered. Amen. She came back to church the next service and was a different woman. Amen. Why? Because she pressed in and got a hold of something. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. And I had, I've never, all these years, he only told me that story one time, but I've never forgotten. I've thought about now that, that woman was so desperate. Uh, she'd gone to pastor and, um, but how many know you can go, you can come to pastor, pastor will help you, but pastor's not the deliverer. Jesus is. And all I can do is point you to him. Man, if I could get you delivered, man, you know, then I'd get everybody delivered. But you have to press in. Amen. There is one that can, though. Amen. Now I want you to go to James chapter 4. This is a really important scripture we're going to read this morning. James 4. Go there. James chapter 4. So uh, you, we have to, like, G, like Jesus said, we've got to press into the kingdom. We have to, we have to be determined. 
You know what? One of the things about faith is this. Faith won't take no for an answer because it knows what belongs to it, right? Amen. If you know something belongs to you, I mean, no is not an option. Isn't that right? I mean, no. No is not an option. And so uh, it's kind of like, uh, you remember the story in Kings uh, where uh, Elijah's praying, and he's praying for rain. And he, the, 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 when you read it in the Old Testament, it doesn't say he's praying. It just says he put his head between his knees. But then you read the account of it in James, it said he was praying earnestly. See? So it tells us what he's doing. And he sends out his servant to go see if there's a cloud yet. He, he comes back and says there's nothing. He did that seven times. But he kept sending him back, didn't he? Why? Because he knew no's not the answer. No is not an option. Amen? See, people say, well, maybe you pray and God will tell you no. Well, God doesn't tell you no about His promises. The Bible says His promises are yes and amen. So He never gives you no. If they're, if, if they're not coming to pass, it's not God saying no. It's not God saying wait. You've got to press in. How many know we have an adversary? Right? An opponent. Now, if you didn't have any opponent, it'd be, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? You know, in sports, if you didn't have any opponent, wouldn't be much fun to start with, but it'd be easy to win, wouldn't it? I mean, if you got in a boxing match, and I saw a boxing match like that one time years ago. I'm, you know, I like to watch boxing. Phyllis has let me know that it's not going to be in heaven. So I've got to enjoy it while I'm here on earth. And so I, I, I'm a, I'm, I like boxing. You know, I've got videos of some of the older fights. Some go way back. I've got all of Muhammad Ali's fights and different ones. I've got all their fights that, you know, that they had. And, and, uh, but I watched a fight one time, and this guy, I don't know what was wrong with him, but he just, he just wouldn't fight. He was, had a, 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 a mental breakdown in the ring. He just stood there and just cried. And He'd move around a little bit, but he wouldn't fight back. And the guy kept hitting him, and the ref was like, what's wrong with you? He finally had to stop the fight because he wouldn't fight back. Had no opponent. This guy had no opponent. Well, how many know, we got an opponent. He's not going to stand there and cry. He's not going to. He's not going to. He's not going to just quit. You got to beat him up. Now, Jesus already, pardon the English, he's already whooped him really good. I mean, no, he's already defeated. But you have to put him in his place, right? Uh, because the, the Bible, you know, the Bible talks about us being occupiers. You know, we're an occupying arm. What's that mean? Well, the battle's already been won, but we're there for any kind of resistance that might spring up. We've already won the victory, right? We don't have to win the victory. We just got to enforce it. You understand that? I don't have to win the victory of, of, of the cross. Jesus already won it. I just enforce it. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. And so we're here in James chapter 4. I want you to look at this. Verse number 7. It says, uh, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, how I many know you can't just roll over then, can you? You've you got to resist him. What does resist mean? You've got to stand against him. Now notice, I want to just read the first part of verse 8. Draw nigh to God... 
and He will draw nigh to you. How many of that is so simple? What does that mean? Well, here's, here's what you've got to do when you face trouble. You've got to lean into God. Boy, if, if, let me tell you something. If you don't get this principle today, you're going to have a lot, a, lot more, a lot worse life than what you're supposed to have. This, is, this may not be like, we're not, we may not be jumping and shouting yet, but I'm, telling you, I'm going to give you some stuff today that if you'll do it, it'll make you jump and shout with the results. What, so here's what I want to talk about. All right. See, when trouble comes, uh, we've got to lean into God. Uh, we can't lean. <laughs> Listen, I've been at this a long time. Here's what I've noticed it happens a lot of times. I've done it before myself. Uh, when trouble comes, it's easy to lean into the trouble instead of into God. In other words, listen, how many know there are times when you're under attack, you have to do the very opposite of what your flesh wants to do? The very opposite. It's, 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 it's real tempting when trouble comes to lean into the trouble instead of lean into God. But you've got to press in. You've got to press in. And so uh, that's what James is talking about. If you press into God, He'll press into you. You lean into God, He'll lean into you. You draw nigh to God, He'll draw nigh to you. Amen. It's like the story. You, how many of y'all remember the story I told about the, the couple, the older couple driving in the pickup truck? Y'all remember that? Anybody not remember that? All right, I'll tell it. I got one person. That's good enough. There was this older couple, whatever that is now. I revise that all the time, praise God. It used to be 35. I remember when I was, uh, I think I was about six, I had a crush on a, a senior. I thought she was old. I thought all my teachers were old. I thought they were going to die any day. They were probably in their 20s, probably about Jill's age. But uh, this is an older couple. You know, you get a little older, you know. Uh, you still love one another. But, uh, you know, things change a little bit. And they're driving down the road in the pickup truck. Guy's driving, the wife's sitting over here on, on the passenger side up by the door, you know. And a young couple pulls around them, just passes them. And, you know, he, he's uh, driving and she's sitting like right on top of him, right on top of him, right next to him. And now this older couple, the wife says to the husband, she says, do you remember when we used to sit like that? He said, I sure do. She said, what happened? He said, I haven't moved. <laughs> I'm still driving the truck, brother. See, God hasn't moved. It's us that's moved. See, here's the thing about a problem. That problem can either get between you and God, and it pushes God away, or you can put it on the outside and not let it in there. And you put it on the outside, it'll push you toward God. See, here's the thing. We have to learn when trouble comes, the last thing we want to do is quit pressing into the kingdom of God. Right. Amen. 
See, the Bible tells us if you sow to the flesh, you're of the flesh, reap corruption. So we don't want to do what our flesh wants to do. The, the wrong thing to do is do what your flesh wants to do. Because your flesh, <laughs> your flesh doesn't want to press in. Isn't that right? How many, now you know, you know, maybe you get better at it, but I don't know about you, but, uh, you know, I have to make my flesh do things. I have to make it like if, you know, exercise sometimes. You know, every every now and then, I mean, you know, it doesn't happen very often. I mean, I go see Doc next door. And I'm, I'm going to get a checkup. He always tells me the same thing. Drink more water and get cardio exercise. I don't care if I came in and my arm was hanging off. He'd say, you need, you need more water. <laughs> Doc, I, my arm needs sewed back on. No, I have more water. Just get some more water. I tease about that. He's a great guy. He is. But, uh, but exercise. But how, how many know you have, to, you have to make this? You have to make it, right? You have to take authority over the flesh, right? It doesn't always want to do certain things. It doesn't want to go to work. It doesn't want to get out of bed sometimes, right? So you can't, when, you're, when, you're, when you face trouble, you can't do what your flesh wants to do. See, your flesh will want you to back away from God. Absolutely. You know, I, I, listen, I, I, like I said, I've been at this a long time. And, you know, you'll have people in church and they'll, uh, and I'm not, I'm not being critical. I'm just, I'm just trying to help people. But you'll have people in church as a pastor, and you'll, you know, you'll see they're not there, and then they're not there, and then they're not there, and they're not there. And a lot of times you check on them, and they're going through a problem. I've even had them tell me, well, I'll, I'll be back when I get things worked out. I'm thinking, you know, that is like the guy that says, I'm going to give my life to Jesus as soon as I clean it up. It's, it's backwards. right? See, the Bible says, don't forsake the assembling yourself together, and so much the more as you see the day approaching but exhort one another daily in other words you got to press in you got to you got to make yourself do things that your flesh doesn't want to do amen see when the when the apostles got in trouble you know in acts it says they went to their own company they went to their own company how many know god put you in a company didn't he god said everybody in the body as it pleased him right so he puts you in your company. Now, I've learned this. I have to watch. I don't, don't get out of my company. Stay in my company. I mean, I'm a faith guy. That's my company. That's where I need to stay. Well, you ought to go over here and do No, I stay in, I'm not saying they don't have anything to give. I just need to stay in my company so I don't get all, you know, pollute, you know confused. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about, but you, you listen to too many voices and you get confused. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay in my company. Praise God. I know what, I know what buttered my bread. Amen. Well, what about, what about Paul and Silas? Did they face trouble? The Bible says they, they were, backs were bleeding, they were in stocks, and at midnight they prayed and sang praises unto God. What did they do? They leaned into God. They pressed in to the kingdom. And the Bible says that suddenly there was a great earthquake, all, and the, the, the foundations of the prisons were shaken, all the doors were open, and everybody's bonds got loosed. Well, there's two, right? Hallelujah. But they had to press in. And, 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 and the, 
December of 21, the Lord said this to me. <clears throat> and to my heart, he said this to me. I wrote it down. I've got it dated. He said 1221. He, he, that, that was uh, over, what, two years ago almost. What, heading for two years. Um, he said, those who press in will go from glory to glory. That's good. Those who don't, from disaster to disaster and failure to failure. Well, I'm going to press in. Hallelujah. I'm going to keep pressing in. Amen? So, so when we face trouble, you have to do sometimes things that are counterintuitive to you. You've got to do things that it, it doesn't seem like the right thing to do to your flesh, but the flesh is always wrong. You got to do what the Word says. Draw nigh to God. He'll draw nigh to you. In other words, when I'm in trouble, that's not the time to back away. That's the time to push in harder. It feels like the time to back away, doesn't it? Your flesh does, right? But it's just, you got to do just the opposite of, of what you're feeling. You got you to you press in because that's where your deliverance is going to come from. That's where it's going to come from. You know, you can, you, can, you can try to, you know, I don't know about you, but pity parties, the only bad thing about pity parties is nobody else comes. You're all alone. Yeah, all the demons come. But uh, no, no people come to it, right? Isn't that right? So I try. I'm, I'm not always successful. But I try to maintain an even kill. I don't know. I'm, I'm still, I don't know about you. I'm still a work in progress. But I'm not moody like some people are. I'm not looking around, looking at anybody. <laughs> Why did it get so quiet? But, you know, some people up and down, up and down. Up. I'm not that way. I'm not that. You, 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 know, you, you don't ever see me coming down. Do I ever feel down? Yeah, there's times that I do. But I'm not giving the devil the pleasure of noticing that. Press in. I'm going to press into the kingdom of God. You know, like I've seen in boxing before. I, I've, seen, I've seen guys get hit really hard and they just look, they just, they just stare. I, mean, I remember I watching the, uh, 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 back in the 1970s, I watched the fight between Muhammad Ali and uh, George Foreman who is a, a preacher now, a pastor. Yeah. You know, he's the real deal, uh, George Foreman. Uh, and uh, I remember, you know, his account of that fight. He lost that fight. He was the champion of the world, and he hadn't been out of the second round in a long time. He, just, he was one of the hardest hitters of, of, of the day, maybe of all time. And he just knocked people out. And so he was not accustomed to losing, and now he's facing an older man, an alley, who's past his, a little bit past his prime, and this looks like this is going to be an easy victory. But Ali was smart. Ali, that's where the rope-a-dope came from. He laid on the ropes, covered himself up, and let Foreman just swing away. You can hear Ali's uh, trainer in the background, Angelo Dundee, who's in the Hall of Fame. You could hear him when you, when you were watching the fight. You would hear... A Dundee yelling, Allie, get off the ropes! Get off the ropes! But Allie had his own game plan that night. And his game plan was, I'm going to let this big guy punch until he wears himself out, and then he's mine. That's exactly what he did. He stands there. You think 
And then he's out, Foreman's just swinging and swinging and swinging and swinging. Allie's not doing anything but covering up, leaning back on the ropes. And every once in a while, he'd go like that. And you know how he would. He'd tease, go like that. Cover. And then Foreman said, said, he said, when I get close to him, he'd say to me, is that all you got? He said, you hit like a girl. I remember Foreman saying, I thought to myself, yep, that's all I got. And this guy's still standing there. And, of course, that went on for a while. And then after two or three rounds of that, Foreman was wore out. Ali started hitting him and knocked him out. Won the heavyweight championship of the world again. Sometimes the devil's throwing punches. But don't let him see you sweat. Hallelujah. I didn't say you couldn't share your issues with people. I didn't say you couldn't ask for prayer. But don't let him get your joy. Hallelujah. Just keep pressing in. Just keep pressing in. Amen. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. Are you getting anything today? We're, we're about done. Isaiah 40. Go there. A little different today, but I think it's going to help us. If you get this, you know, you've you got to press in. Not, not, not sit around, pull the shades, get in bed, put a wet cloth on your head. Get up and confess some scriptures. Hallelujah. Get up and sing some praises. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Get up and worship the Lord. Right. Be like Paul and Silas at midnight. Yes. Pray and sing praises unto God. Amen. And all of a sudden the foundations of the prison will shake. The doors will be opened and bonds will be loosed. But you've got to press in. You've got to press in. You've got to keep pressing in. You can't just let the devil run over you. The Bible says resist him and he will flee from you. Hallelujah. Amen. Don't be like that. One brother said he asked somebody how they're doing. They said, I got the devil on the run. Well, that's good. They said, well, the only problem is that I'm running and he's after me. I mean, he's supposed to be fleeing from you. And know what the scripture said? Resist the devil. Stand against him. He'll flee from you. You must have authority over him if he'll flee from you. Don't listen to all these preachers that think everything's passed away. Well, I heard one of them say, I heard him. I'm not, I'm not naming him. I'm not, I'm not assaulting him. But I can't, but you know, he preached it publicly so I can talk about it publicly. I heard him say, Famous preacher doesn't believe in any, doesn't believe in you know miracles and healings and anything. He thinks we're all phonies and fakes. I heard him say that we don't have, we believers don't have authority over the devil. I'm thinking, what in the world do you think Jesus came for? I don't care how many degrees you have after your name, you don't know the Bible well enough in that area. The other areas maybe yes, but that area you don't know. The Bible says he seated us in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. That tells me I have authority. If Christ has it, I have it. I'm joint heirs with him. You have it, amen? I'm thinking, goodness. <clears throat> Read your Bible. Amen. That's religion for you, isn't it? You know what I'm saying? Religion is, you know, that's what the denomination teaches, so that's what he believes. Well, you know what? Guess what? I love what one preacher said to Brother Hagin one time. <clears throat> he said, one, he, this, this guy, this, this pastor was a pastor of a denominational church that believed, he, did, believed healing had passed away, tongues, all that was gone. And uh, 
one of his members went to one of Brother Hagin's meetings and got healed. And this pastor saw them and they were healed. And he came to the meeting the next night. And he told Brother Hagin, he, he was thrilled. Now that's an honest man. He said, I'm, th he said, I'm thrilled about it. Uh, he, he said, now, you know, this person's healed. He said, now some of my people said the devil healed them. He said, but I'm smart enough to know the devil's not healing the Baptist. No, he's not healing anybody. I mean, you know, he's making, Jesus went about and healed everybody who was oppressed of the devil. You know, it's not, the devil didn't go around healing everybody he oppressed. Jesus did. And so that's just scripture. How do you know that? One, one preacher says, I love this. I wish I'd have thought of this. He said, for something to be scriptural, scriptural what does it have to have? scriptures so when people say this passed away where's the scriptures I've had people say tongues passed away where's the scriptures well the Bible says tongues shall cease well shall and have is two different things Amen. I shall pass away someday but I haven't yet amen and I'm not planning on it for a while I'm planning on rapture hallelujah amen now, in Isaiah chapter 40, look at this, verse 28. The Bible says, in Isaiah 40, 28, it says, Has thou not known? Hast thou not heard? How many know you got to know it? How many know you got to hear it? And, and, and I've got to tell you something here. Uh, one of the differences between what I see today and what I used to see is people are living off secondhand knowledge instead of getting to know the Lord themselves. You got to know it. You got to know. It. It, it's not good enough that brother so and so knows it. You got to know it. Isn't that right? See, you know, I know I've known uh, Pastor Pastor Jerry for a long time. Well, I preached for him way back in the early '90s. I was preaching at his church for him, so I've known him all those years. You know what? Listen, I'm, I'm serious. I could take my billfold out and give it to Pastor Jerry and say, would you keep that for me this week? Now, as long as Kay didn't get a hold of it, <laughs> that's a joke. I believe every dollar would still be in there. Yeah? Because I trust him. You know why I trust him? I know him. Now, you might say, I don't know him. See? Well, if you don't know somebody, you're not going to do that. Right? right? You don't know them. Doesn't mean they don't have integrity. You just don't know them. See, so, yeah, people come on, they want to come and preach here. I don't let them. I don't know them. I don't know. Now, they may have integrity. They might, they might bless you, but unless I know that, I, either by personal experience of knowing them or I hear from God, I just don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know. But let's just say, let's just say you didn't know him, but I said, I'm going to tell you what, you can leave your billfold with this guy. You can leave, he will not take any money out of it. And you do that. You know why you did that? Not because you knew him, because you knew me. That's the way a lot of people live in the body of Christ. They, they're, they're living off somebody else's faith. Because brother so-and-so says it works, and it's working for him. Well, I just believe it. You better get to know the same person brother so-and-so knows. Now, that'll work for you for a while when you're a baby Christian. You get a little bit older, you've got to know God yourself. 
That's why Isaiah says, haven't you known this? Haven't you seen? Look at this, verse 28. Have you not known, have you not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, he fainteth not, neither is weary. There's no searching of his understanding. Now, if we just stop right there, we've bragged about God, but it hadn't helped us. You, you, are you listening to me? We bragged about God. We've told the truth about God, but we haven't helped us. But look at the first two words of verse 29. He giveth. I said he giveth. Everybody say he giveth. That's good news. He's all this and he giveth. Hallelujah. What if I told you, you know, <laughs> I'm not. But what if I told you, you know what, I'm a multi-millionaire. Multi-millionaire. I got 800 and. $50 million in the bank. Hallelujah. Wonderful, isn't it? Hadn't helped you a bit. But if I said, I'm going to give it away, I'm going to give it to everybody that's in here. How many know you're blessed now? <laughs> See, you might, know, you might know my resources, but it doesn't help you unless I give it. God's got a lot of resources, and he said, I give it. Hallelujah. He giveth power. Notice this. He giveth power to the faint. To them that have no might, <coughs> he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. Young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. See, what are we saying here? Well, here's what the scripture is telling us. It's simply telling us that if you wait on God, if you spend time in his presence, if you press into God... He'll give you what he's got. You'll get what he's got. Amen. Hallelujah. See, uh, the, the, Paul said in the New Testament like this. He said, when, <coughs> when we behold the glory, we're changed into that same image. Now, I wanna, I'm going to look at one more scripture here in just a minute. We're going to close. But let me, let me say this to you. How many, how many know that uh, the Apostle Paul addressed this in Philippians? He said uh, that he, he pressed in. He reached forward. He said, as many as are mature, let them be minded, have this kind of mind that you keep pressing in. Abraham, in the Bible, around Genesis 12, he had an experience with God. God visited Abraham. Now, you, now we don't know a, a whole lot about Abraham's uh, background before then, but we do know where he came from. He came from the, the area he came from where they were sun worshipers. They worshiped false gods. And I'm pretty convinced that Abraham was a worshiper of false gods. But when he met Jehovah, when he met Yahweh, when he met the Lord, as the King James Bible calls him, the Lord, he had an encounter with, with God. He had an encounter with the true God. From that moment on throughout his life, he only worshipped one God, the real God. And he had this initial experience with God in Genesis chapter 12, but all throughout his life he cultivated that. You will find different places, the Bible mentions Abraham built an altar. He built an altar. There's another man in the, in the Old Testament. His name was Saul, King Saul. 
King Saul had an initial encounter with the Lord. The Lord sent the, the prophet Samuel to him to tell him, you're anointed to be king over Israel. He anointed him. He, Saul prophesied. Uh, <clears throat> he had an experience with God. But it was many, many, many years before you finally see, I think it's somewhere in 1 Samuel, uh, I can't remember what chapter for sure, it might be 14, but it was several years before you ever say, see where it says, and Saul built an altar. And it only records one. He, he had, see, it's, it's like today. You, you can come to the Lord and have that initial experience where you're born again. But are you continually building altars along the way? Are you continually getting into God's presence? Are you continually fellowshipping with Him? Or you can be like Saul and have that initial experience, but you never do much with it. See? Saul's life turned out terrible. Abraham's turned out blessed. Abraham had a son when he was 100 years old. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Y'all saying, yeah, but no, you can't. Because <laughs> most of the 100 years, we, we, we believe it, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, no, you, you can't imagine a 100-year-old having a son, can you? Now, wait a minute. Sarah died. Remember that? He got remarried. I mean, when you're 100 years old and your wife dies and gets remarried, you got something going on? I'd think you'd just wait it out, friend. He had, after, after Isaac, he had six more kids. I think God did something to this man, didn't he? Amen. Saul died by the hands of the Philistines, the enemies. What's the difference? One leaned into God. One pressed into God, one didn't. One, when trouble hit, God was there, was able to be there to help him because he drew nigh to God, God drew nigh to him. The other one, he, he repelled God. Amen. So it's a huge difference what we do with our lives. When trouble comes, you got to do the right thing. God, are you all still with me? Let, let me finish by just looking at this scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2. Go there. Second, I know we looked at some scripture this morning, but um, I just want to look at one more, and then we'll be done today. And then I want to pray for you today. Because, you know, if you're going through some things, how I many of God wants to lift you up? He's the lifter of our head, amen. And, uh, but I want to show you this scripture here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse... Uh, 14, the Bible says, Now thanks be to God, which always, how many times? Always. always causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the Savior of His knowledge by us in every place. Now, the uh, New King James, the, the Word says it this way, He always leads us to triumph. And, and, there, and, and because that word there. Uh, causes us to triumph. The word triumph actually means this. It means like a, a, a victory parade, a celebration. You know, you see sometimes like 
football teams, basketball teams win, win the, the championship, and then they have this prayed for them. That's what that's talking about. God always leads us in a victory parade. Hallelujah. But here's the thing. He leads us into it. I like the New King James there. He leads us into it. You have to put yourself in position, position to get led into it. You've got to lean into God. You've got to draw nigh to God. Or He can't get you, lead you into what He wants to give you. The scriptures are really plain about this. That if we draw nigh to God, He draws nigh to us. Hallelujah. So I just want to get close to God. Well, it's possible. All you got to do is press in. Amen. All you got to do is press in. So what do we do when trouble comes, when you face trouble? And how many know you will face trouble? <clears throat> you may be facing trouble right now. I don't know. But I do know this. <clears throat> don't <coughs> run the other way. Don't run from God. Run to God. <clears throat> don't let the problem get in between you and God. Amen. Amen. Keep it out here. Amen. Let it shove you towards God. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, you got... Be, be like a kid, man. You know, when you was a little kid, you get a little boo-boo, you ran the mom. Somehow she could fix it. Well, that's the way you got to be to God. You got to run to God. Amen. And he can fix it. Praise God. Amen. Did you get something today? Really important, really. You know, I know it wasn't a jumping, shouting type message. Maybe it wasn't all that. Anointed, I don't know. But here's what I do know. I do know this after all these years of preaching. I just watch people make the mistake when they have problems, because you're going to have them. Instead of doing the right thing, they do what their flesh wants to do. They do the wrong thing. They're not bad people, but they're just, they're just, being, they're just being deceived by the devil. And we need to run to God, not from Him. We need to press into Him. Amen. We need to spend more time with Him, not less. Amen. We need more church, not less. Man, I tell you, I've gotten delivered at church. I've gotten delivered. Just being around the people of God, that corporate anointing. Hallelujah. It's a blessing. Amen. That concludes today's message. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit MyOasisChurch.com. Thanks for listening.